Welcome to Emotive Podcast. I'm your host, Dan, and it's been a long time. I don't want to bore you guys with what's been happening. Pretty much, I've just been working. I've been working my ass off over the summer. I had some bills I needed to pay off, and knowing myself, I just needed to focus on that and not allow myself to have a whole lot of uh, free time to slack off. And I don't really have any great excuses on why I haven't done any podcast episodes. I guess I just needed to get my mind and my body used to working a lot of hours because that was my reality. I needed to make some money. I needed to be able to fix my car and all these other little things that that really needed to happen. And I'm preparing next year um, to move because, because I'm pretty much being forced to move next spring. So... Needing to to buckle down and, and save some money over the fall and winter. But it's been going well. I've had a fairly healthy routine over that time. Uh, my stress levels have decreased significantly. So it's been it's been nice to kind of get my work ethic back. That's something that I've been missing and I didn't even realize it. But through that and and therapy, I feel like I'm I'm a lot healthier. Uh, at least on the mental side of, of things. It has been a long time since I put out an episode. If you're listening to this, it's uh, the end of October, getting close to the end of October. And the last episode, I believe, was sometime in August. I know I made some promises about, you know, a weekly schedule moving forward and stuff like that. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to do that. But I am interested in continuing the podcast. I do want to record more episodes. I know there's a lot more interesting stories to tell and people to talk to. And my motivations behind it have not changed. So let's talk about this week's episode. Now, I want to give a little bit of background to to where I recorded this and who our guest is. We've been holding a family reunion here in Colorado for this will be I think the the eighth family reunion that we've done. It's it's just a nice time to to catch up with people and stay connected, you know, because honestly, the way that communication has shifted in this day and age, it's it's harder. It becomes harder and harder to to stay connected with family because we're past the age of of sending letters to each other. It's kind of degraded into texting or Facebook, and Facebook isn't even really a thing anymore. It's mostly just texting if if you're lucky. And we are very lucky to to be as close as we are as a family. So it is a special time for us. And at this year's reunion, <laughs> I purchased a special piece of equipment prior to the reunion, uh, knowing that I wanted to record a podcast while I was there, but also uh, the Zoom H6, which I, which I bought. You know, I can take that on the road with me if I travel and I can I can record solo or I can record with a guest and it's going to be it's going to be fun to do that. I'll be able to do do some sort of remote podcasts in the future. My guest this week is my cousin Tyler, someone who I love and respect, someone who I've been been very close with for many many years. And he's had he has some great stories about how he studied to become an audio engineer. He worked at a music studio in Los Angeles. And we didn't really have time to get into a lot of the stories that I know about. 
you know, he talks about meeting people like Dr. Dre and Radiohead and and other bands from the 90s. But this is sort of like part one of a series of stories that I hope that he can share with me uh, in greater detail than what I've heard before. But uh, I hope you guys enjoy getting to know a little bit about uh, my cousin Tyler. I guess if my family's listening, I guess you guys might get to know a little bit more about Tyler that you hadn't heard before. So thank you so much for for listening, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. As always, you can find all links to the show on our website, pod.co slash emotive. On Twitter, at Emotive Podcast. Enjoy. Uh, you just got to, like, start talking. That's um, how it works, yeah. Yeah, well, welcome to the world-famous Dalsted family reunion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to be here. Uh, crack open a cold Coors Light. Ooh, that sounds good. Tap the Rockies. <laughs> yeah. So this is my cousin Tyler. I don't know if I want to wear these headphones or not. I'm not used to like the monitor thing. Yeah, we don't need them. Yeah, I'm going to take mine off. Just so we know, I just wanted to know what what we sounded like. Whew. But you kind of know, well, you've listened to a little bit of the podcast and what I have been doing was just trying to, I guess it's a lot of people around my age, people that have been through early adulthood and are now kind of settling into career and family life. Mm-hmm. And like the journey that got you from when you were a kid to now and whatever interesting stories that happened along the way. And I like I had some that I've heard bits and pieces of before. Right. And I just never uh, like there were you would kind of I feel like when you told the stories, you like had told them so many times. So you didn't want to include all the details. Sure. But also like but I wanted to start with like some of my first memories of like when I, when you were. You were like 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 the really cool kid from across the <laughs> from across from across the U.S. right? Because I always like uh, I always aspired to be the cool kid, like the cool like skater kid, and you were you were like the the role model for that. Well, I think in, in the time that we grew up, there were these movies in the '80s and '90s where there was, you know, this idea of cool and and the, and the yeah. cool kids and and whatever they were into. Mm-hmm. And that actually really influenced my life and the decisions that I had made because in high school, I got really into music and in adolescence, you're going through all this awkwardness and music was never awkward for me. Mm. I always was drawn to music. Drumming was the, the instrument that I was the best at that made the most sense to me. And then I got into singing and choir in high school mm. and then learning to play guitar in a band. Mm-hmm. And so I picked up on those things Hmm. and, you know, kind of matching with what was cool to me watching MTV, seeing these, these bands on MTV and, Mm -hmm. and seeing the music industry. And so I I thought that I wanted to make music, the band I was in, we were, we were recording music and that was really cool to me. The recording process was always really cool to, to hear back what you had played and and to, to get better by listening to yourself Mm -hmm. and your performance over and over. So having, I went to a recording school to be a recording engineer, and then I moved to LA to work at a recording That's studio. Right. Yeah, yeah, and so like I kind of followed. In my view, I thought what was cool was in California, and I grew up in Colorado. Mm-hmm. So you know, everyone has their their different I- ideas yeah. of I- idealism it's, and what's cool. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's like a grass is greener thing, but you know, you know where I came from. You'd come to visit us on the farm. It yeah. was like the big, it was the big event of the year. Sim- similar to what we do now with the, with the family reunion. It's like the big, it's like 
getting ready for the big game. But but for me as a kid, it was just like just like counting down there. I was like, come on, when are they gonna be here? Like looking down the dirt road, are they coming yet? And then, you know, we'd have our we'd have our time of uh I don't know, like playing uh baseball and like yeah, everything was like a lot simpler back then. We right. didn't really have a lot of resources to but we made the most of it. Right. That's right. There's there's such uh great energy in kids playing outside, right? Yeah. And that's what we did. We we figured it out yeah. whether it was baseball or, you know, if people weren't into mm-hmm. baseball, we'd you know, chase chase each other animals <laughs> something <laughs> but yeah well i mean one of my first like i guess lasting memories was like maybe the first family reunion we had in the black hills you remember that <laughs> you don't have much memory I do. There. Yeah. yeah um we rented some cabins and there mm-hmm. was a lake and we had barbecue you brought some illegal fireworks <laughs> set those off that was fun we got away with that somehow they're not, they're not even, they weren't even legal. I don't think in Colorado then, or the ones that you got, you had to go to like Wyoming to get them. Yeah. I remember, I remember we stopped at one of those like roadside. Yeah. You know, like now there are fruit stands alongside <laughs> the road. I live in a part of the country where you can't buy fireworks at all. So yeah. then you just drive huh. in, you buy your fireworks. Can you get sparklers? And San, you live in San Diego. Yeah. I live in San Diego. Yeah. Um, I haven't tried. I don't, I don't know where you can get sparklers. <laughs> can you get those little, uh. I don't little, see little, little with them. party poppers, the ones you can just like, uh, well, the, there's like the little, uh, look like little Hershey's kisses and you can throw them and you snap throw them, them and they snap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what those are called. No, they, no. they do the party poppers. They're like, uh, you can't, you can't be trusted with those. We'll give you the party poppers. <laughs> it's like a new year's thing. You pull the string, yeah. the confetti comes out yeah. with a big pop. Yeah. That's, huh. a, that's about as exciting as huh. it gets for fireworks in San Diego. Okay. Well, fair enough. Yeah. Well, you, you kind of already went through the, what you, your interest in music in high school mm-hmm. and d- did you learn did you learn piano before you learned drums yes i did okay that's I, a typical thing right you know people get into music in many different, different ways. ways okay brendan my brother he learned to play accordion that's that, right that's his instrument yeah and he learned because someone came door to door remember this was <laughs> i didn't like, know this I this know was this. the late 80s okay and someone came door to door and was like yeah. Does anyone here want to learn accordion? And Brendan was like, hell yes. <laughs> and then he did. Oh my God. And then I wonder, I have to, I'll have to ask him if he, if he regrets that at all. Yeah, you should ask him. <laughs> I'm guessing no. But, well, let me, okay. let me finish that story. Yes. So, so he went to play accordion. There was this, uh, this old German dude in mm-hmm. Fort Collins, Fort Collins, Colorado, where I grew yep. up and, uh, Harold Krieger. And he taught accordion lessons to a bunch of group, a bunch of kids, different age groups, and they they had different bands, so they would group them together by age. Mm-hmm. At that time, I was learning piano, and I learned that piano was it didn't make sense to me, and so I wanted to learn drums, mm-hmm. and so I would go to my brother's accordion band practice, and Mr. Krieger tried to get me to join to play accordion, and I said no, if you can <laughs> if you can teach me drums. I'll join your band. Oh. And he was like, all right, I'll teach you drums. And then he did. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> like, why did he want people to play accordion so bad? He's German. Oh, okay. We, we I, played I, beer barrel polka. Oh, like, okay. Like, okay, I get it. I get it. Okay. I was 10 and I was like, what's up with all these drinking songs? <laughs> <laughs> somehow, somehow I wasn't making the connection. I didn't know there was a German accordion polka thing. I thought that was Polish. <laughs> 
I guess yeah. I guess maybe it's just I'm just an idiot. I don't know where polka came from. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know either. Okay. I just assumed that it was German, but I yeah. will tell you this is that polka is pre-punk. What? I learned how to play rock and punk on drums by learning how to play polka. Huh. I know. Huh. I think there I think I'll I think I'll have to look more into polka's roots I and mean, how it connects. <laughs> I'm not going to send you some like polka Spotify playlist no. or anything. No, but but like, you know, how how rock music kind of originated from country music in a way. And blues, yeah. And country and blues. Yeah, you know? that's right. Yeah, so polka was was that for me at least. And so when I when I got into <laughs> bands later, you know, mm. the rock music has always been my inspiration mm. and and it just made sense to me and I learned playing polka and the you know, translate like that's yeah. Blink 182, boom. Yep. Huh. So what what were like I remember seeing I remember seeing posters hanging up in your bedroom. I remember you had uh well I actually I'm not sure who's cuz I think you and Brendan were sharing a room mm. at your dad's house. So like there was a Radiohead poster up. Oh, I've always loved Radiohead. Yeah. And yeah. then and then there might have been an REM poster or something. No, definitely not. Not REM? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> what was the other one? Doesn't matter. What, what were like what were like some of the bands that you liked that were like your archetypes? Smashing Pumpkins have okay. always been my favorite band. Uh-huh. And what's funny is that I'm going to see them in two weeks. Okay. They're they're on tour with Noel Gallagher's current group. And Something about flying birds. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that guy's a pro. He's good. Yeah. yeah for so sure. For I'm looking sure. forward to seeing that. Yeah. No, but I've heard Smashing Pumpkins, they, they still rip, you know. Yeah, I'll let you know. Okay. I've seen them many times in concert, and they've ranged from absolutely sucked to <laughs> mediocre to absolutely awesome. Hmm. No yeah. consistency, huh? No, it's maybe it's just how Billy Corgan feels that night. Well, that's what's great about a band dynamic is that it's okay. how everyone's doing together and how they're playing off each other. And then hmm. I don't know, you have bad days at work. I have bad days that's at work. True. You go in and you know, things just aren't popping. Right. When you're at like a professional level, you're expected to be at that high level all the time. And if you're, I mean, one of the factors that you don't think about in live music is that they're going to a different space every night. And a lot of the times there's, the same equipment, but there's a new room and it's a new, I mean, humidity and temperature and, you know, mm. people that are, are working. So bands that can go out and play consistent shows and be awesome. Like mm-hmm. there's a real talent there. So, you know, Smashing Pumpkins, they just, uh, you know, we'll see. So I maybe I should describe a little bit like where we're at and like what's going on. Cause I said, I mentioned that we're at the family reunion. It's, it's a, pro- we call it the Ponderosa. It's the property that our family owns here and there's a house big shop um it's a warehouse size it's shop. A, it's a warehouse size shop and we generally hang out in there and drink beer play cornhole darts shoot the shit and there's 17 acres here we can ride four wheelers we can do target shooting we can we mostly just hang out and drink beer though and talk yeah would you say yeah and eat and eat oh yeah there's <laughs> no one goes hungry no one goes hungry at the at the family reunion yeah. but yeah we're in one of the trailers where people are going to be Staying. I think I'm sleeping in here tonight. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of the better arrangements, really. Yeah. yeah. But then tomorrow night, there's going to be many more people here. So, yeah, it's going to get a little bit. It's be a little bit different, <laughs> but at least it cools off during the night. It's it's yeah. like, yeah, it's comfortable now. It's about 930 or 10 right now. OK, well, now that we've set the scene, we know where we're at. <laughs> well, I wanted to here's here's the gap where I don't know a lot about 
what like where your path started you're you were trying to figure things out as a young adult like what you wanted to do and i never really knew we got to where you had like a pretty you'd say a pretty intense interest in music right right in high school did you go straight from high school to that the music school in arizona mm-hmm. yeah. oh it was okay i did graduating high school i came to a fork in the road my interests have always been science and music mm. And so I had to decide between going to college and studying science or uh, pursuing a recording engineering program at a smaller, like, vocational school. And that's what I chose. And I, I wanted to make sure that I pursued my passion and my dreams so that I didn't have any regrets. That was my goal. Mm. Don't live your life with having regrets. And mm. and I did it. And and I don't have any regrets mm. by doing it. And I also learned it wasn't the right fit for oh. me, but I know, and I, huh. I, I never have to wonder, you know, huh? Was that, that was a thought that you had like back when you were 18, 19? Absolutely. Oh, really? Okay. I mean, who doesn't question themselves all the time <laughs> at every stage, right? That's true. Yeah. No, it's just, I mean, for me, that's, I guess I didn't have any sort of like foresight. Mm. I was in, the, I was in the moment and was more like, I guess in therapy, I've learned. In fact, I came up with it myself and my therapist applauded me for it. I've been in survival mode for a lot of my life. Mm. It's just been like paycheck to paycheck, uh, just doing doing the bare minimum to get by and just pretty much just living. I don't it's not even it's not really called living in the moment. It's uh, well, the way that she put it was you feel even though you perceive that things are happening to you Mm -hmm. versus you are making decisions yourself more of like a passive way of living right more reactive reactive proactive yeah that's true interesting but you from an early age had more of a proactive thought pattern and i've always i've always had that proactive thought pattern at at every stage Mm -hmm. that's impressive you know a lot of kids uh that i know thought they wanted to sow their wild oats first and then Uh, figure their stuff out you know yeah Um, i didn't choose that i wasn't like i'm just gonna only do what I think is going to be best for the future. And it's taken me down quite a few different like that's right paths where I had to backtrack and then try something else again. But uh, you know, each, each path you learn something huh? Yeah, and, and that makes you more prepared for the next path. Mm-hmm. Even if you had gone down that path originally. Mm-hmm. So how many years was the, uh, did the recording, the recording engineer is, was it considered like a degree? It's more of a diploma diploma. or something. I don't know. Or like a certificate or a certification or the brochure made it sound real nice. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, it's a, it's a, like uh, a very well-respected school. I have friends that that went there as well. Absolutely. And the placement was great. Um, I, I landed uh, an entry-level position at a very great facility. So I was definitely pleased with, with the decision that I made and, and, and where they placed me. I just didn't fit the the role and and, mm. and the lifestyle because it's a different industry that, you know, every industry has its culture mm. and the culture didn't fit me. And mm. it took me a couple of years to figure out and then to mm. learn to be proactive, to, to move on to something else. And then I went to college. Okay. After that. So you're talking about the recording studio where you have all these stories, like the bands that you met. What, what's mm-hmm. the name of that studio? Well, it was called ocean way recording yeah. at the time. Mm-hmm. And since they've been bought out and they've, reverted the name back to the original recording studio, oh, really? which is uh, United. Okay. 
Yeah. United recording or something like mm-hmm. that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. 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 What is like one of your favorite moments from that? Or, or maybe like your first day or something like that. What it was like. Sure. Well, this studio is on Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood. Yeah. And I started working at 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. The, okay. night, the night shift, the graveyard shift. Uh-huh. <laughs> and what's, what's great about the graveyard shift in Hollywood is that you see a lot of weird things weird things mm-hmm. you're on the night shift six to, six to six yeah so my my first gig at at ocean way was working that 6 p.m to 6 a.m mm-hmm. and a lot of interesting stuff happens during that time there's a lot of setups there are, there's a constant rotation of artists coming in orchestras a lot of this was one of the places where they did a lot of orchestras oh, interesting okay and uh what was interesting to me was uh the Rolling Stones recorded their Bridges to Babylon album there uh, during that time. And just seeing the production of how the Rolling Stones operated and recorded at that time was so fascinating to me. I didn't really grow up being a, a Rolling Stones fan. Since then, I've become a Rolling Stones fan. Mm, they're so prolific, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, And, and they've had one of the longest running music careers of any band out there. Yeah. So they would come in and not even start until 6 PM. So it was like the morning shift. Right. (laughs) And so they would come in and they, they constantly had tape rolling. So if someone was humming something, one of the microphones in the room, they had tons of microphones set up all over the room. And if one of the microphones caught something, then they could rewind it back and build off of that. And I thought that that was an interesting creative process. And then they had uh, guitar racks where there would be, you know, 20 guitars and they're all old original guitars that I'm, I'm not necessarily a guitar guy, but like yeah. a, a Fender Strat from the fifties that was Jesus. brand new when Keith Richards got it when he was young, yeah. you know, and, and they, and they just kept them pristine throughout the years. No, no, that's, that's what's cool. Okay, about it, okay, okay. Is is it looked old and it looked worn <laughs> and, and it looked played like an old baseball mitt, you know? That's Just... right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and that's that was just kind of their huh. they their system, and so I spent a lot of hours sitting outside because I was taking out trash, setting up microphones, picking up food. Mm. Um, I was a runner, a true entry level position, a true entry level, but you got to learn, um, you got to learn on the job from the world's best, you know, some, some of the world's best that come through. Well, when the session was over, then I could go in and I could ask questions. So really, so that learning process was very proactive and the people in that entry level position that were proactive about saying, Hey, what about this? What are you doing here? Why are you doing it this way? Those were the people that learned and like continued their career. Cause a lot of people went through this process. Mm. They ended up doing other things, which I eventually did too, but I still do recordings on the side on my own. And I mm. learned a lot while I was there, but I spent so many hours sitting outside the door, listening to Charlie Watts playing these drum beats. And it sounds simple, but it just sounded so big and I'm a drummer. And so listening to him play and wow you know, guitar riffs and stuff, but just walking around it mm-hmm. at 3 a.m. and the Rolling Stones are walking through the halls at the same yeah. time as, as I am. I remember you telling me how much it cost 
for them to record that tape the whole time. Was it like $15,000 a day or something like that? Well, I don't remember the number. But <laughs> I, remember, yeah. I remember it was some big number. Yeah, so when they have it recording the whole time, they had the, the two-inch tape. And I don't, I don't remember. That's that reel-to-reel machine. This was before Pro Tools and all yep. the digital stuff. Yeah, this was before that. And this is what all of those records were recorded on that sounded great was this two-inch tape. And so that was going all the time and it was 24 minutes on each reel Oh, wow. and, and it was a couple hundred bucks for each reel. Okay. So yeah, you can imagine you do the math. Yeah. yeah. Add those up. Yep. All right. Well, cheers, man. Yeah. Cheers. In the, in the interest of time, you know, maybe this will just be like a quick overview of kind of what, like you had this like fork in the road and this was the first, this was like the end of the fork, right? You're moving in a, a straight path, right? Right. Because you had your interest in music. But you, I remember you telling me you got to a certain point where all the time that you were spending these 12-hour shifts and whatever extra you had to do to try to break break into it, you're like, the, I don't want this to be my life. Is that fair? That's what happened to me, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't The like I was saying, the culture of the industry, it wasn't a good fit for me. And part of that was the long hours, the types of people that were coming mm. in and out of the, yeah. the sessions and... I like more of a collaborative environment mm. and this was, it didn't feel as collaborative as I had hoped it would. Like, especially as someone who's just starting out, like you're not calling any shots. You're, Oh yeah. I was 19. You're and... taking orders and you're mm-hmm. lucky if you can pick up a few hints here or there. It may have taken yeah. you, how long do you, th- sorry, I have burps. <laughs> <laughs> how long do you think it would have taken you to really like break into the industry? Had you stuck with it? Do you think it maybe another two to five years or so? Or maybe one year, who knows? Or just uh, longer. Longer. It, it takes a long time. Hmm. I have friends that started at the studio that I worked at before I did, and they worked for 10 or 15 years, and then they got to a point to where they were very cush hmm. and they had very steady jobs, very prestigious jobs um, recording music. And then a good friend of mine who I got the job for him at at the studio he's the operational manager now so like he stayed there and Mm. and he became the operational manager so Mm. you know everyone that that puts in the time is rewarded okay but But it just it wasn't in the cards for me and that's fine well what what was like the what was the because i don't think you ever explained this to me what was the what was like the moment? Was there like a really bad day or was there something else that came up in your life and you're like, I want more time to do this or was it relationship or? That's a great question because I think we've all been in situations where there's something that's, that doesn't feel right and you're working a job no matter what it is, whether it's your passion or it's not and it just doesn't feel right. And <clears throat> I knew that I had invested all this time into this one path and as i looked around and i said you know who who in this industry do i wish i could trade places with and there were very few people Hmm. the only a handful of people did i envy not just what they were doing professionally but what their life was like because for me it's always been a bigger picture you know money isn't everything to me and fame Hmm. is is not a thing yeah. for me. You know, so there are musicians that are, are going after fame and, sure. and trying to like, yeah. that, that was never my goal. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be creative and make great records. Mm-hmm. And 
over time, I learned that there are a lot of people that work in that industry that had wives and, and kids at home that never saw these people. And I, I spent more time with these people than they did with their kid. And, and that oh, didn't yeah. make sense to me. Oh. And then I would work on really amazing records. And in, in the, this was in the, 90s. in the late nineties. Yeah. Yeah. And some of these records, I was so excited about their release, but then for whatever reason, the record company didn't release these records and they were amazing records. So they never came out and I never heard them again. What? Okay. So yeah. So that, th- and that didn't make sense to me. So there were all of these things that oh. didn't make sense to me about the industry. And then I, I, I didn't see myself in any of the leaders around me because I worked in this recording studio where there were a lot of people that were doing great things. And I, I didn't see myself in those leaders. So that's when I decided that I needed to figure something else out. Was that, I mean, was that stressful for you? Were you like, Oh my God, I got to figure something else out. Or were you just like, I'm done. That's a great question. It was stressful until I figured it out. Okay. It was stressful until I said, this isn't right for me. And then, and then when you're, when you make the decision that this isn't right for me, then everything is okay. And then there's clarity and then the new path just emerges. Did you ever, did you ever, uh, like who were some people that were kind of counseling you at the time? Did you have mentors or, or was it just like your parents or, or good friends? They were like helping. Did you have anybody else helping you make the decisions or was it like, cause it seems like you came, you came to these kind of enlightened thoughts and I just kind of wonder like who was helping steer the ship? Was it just all you? Right. Well, I've been lucky to be surrounded by people that are very down to earth Mm. and, and give me their true, honest opinions. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of over time learned how to weed out the people that don't or beat around the bush or they're focused on their own interests. And then you can see, Oh, okay. This is, you don't really care about the relationship that, you know, we're helping each other and, you know, we're interacting with Mm -hmm. each other. So Hmm. the people that I interacted with, they said, well, if you stay, this is what it would look like, or this is what you could do. But if you left, you know, we get that too. You have all sorts of options. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You had all sorts of options. Yeah. The the very person that I told you that, that stayed in the industry for 10 or 15 years was the person that took me on my, my trip to figure out how to get enrolled in, in college and move to San Diego from LA. Okay. It seems like it was a good choice for you. I mean, who knows what you would have been doing now? It's it's like you can't you can't rewind the tape. You can't say like I would have impressed somebody and then gotten this bigger role and then I would have become like a head producer. Or maybe I would have discovered some unknown band and be like, Oh hey man, I'll help you with your record and then they get discovered and like you can't do that. Right. Yeah. But tell me about some of these records that didn't get released. Like what well, just maybe the bands can you even say, Oh man, I don't even remember. They were oh, okay. so, w- were they unknown bands? They were all, they were all unknown bands. Oh, that yeah. sucks. Yeah. There, there was one, no, I don't think I want to do a shout out to this band because then <laughs> people might go and listen to me like what that is garbage. But, uh, seven Mary three. I like seven Mary three. They, uh, orange Avenue. Okay. They, they did part of that where, yeah. where I worked and I was, very excited to be part of that record. Yeah. Um, Google Dolls dizzying up the girl was a record that yeah. that was done. Um, 
that was like that, that's a quintessential like late 90s album yeah i mean that's a band that i mean you want to talk about a band that like journeymen who like got put through the meat grinder in their career they yeah. they toured for like over a decade and the, there's actually this thing called the goo goo dolls syndrome have you heard of that no well it's 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 more of like a thing that i that i saw like it was in like an alternative rock magazine. It's it's when you when you pick a name for something and you can't change it because you're already branded. Right. But they had branded themselves as Goo Goo Dolls. I remember the guy saying like, "There's no way we can change the band name now because if we change it, we're like starting over at zero. Yeah. And it's like the, not like the band. I don't think the band lineup changed much during the years, but they had that big song name, mm-hmm. and then later on in the late '90s, usually like bands that have like that we call like the one hit wonder. They don't yeah. come back and like get bigger, right. but they did. Right. And I was, I was so rooting for them because you could tell that these guys were very talented, but they just really didn't get a chance. And what was it about that album? Cause I remember you telling me about when that some of the, some of those singles were recorded, you could tell, you could almost just tell that it was going to be big. Right. Absolutely. Right away. There were some of those songs that, that just, they stand out from the beginning mm-hmm. and and you you recognize that mm-hmm. uh black balloon was one of the songs off of that record that when we were working on it when we i was in the room while others were working of on course it, i was present during <laughs> during that <clears throat> recording session but mm-hmm. that was one that i knew was going to be popular mm-hmm. and then there were other songs on the album that that also became popular slide was another song that became a single that was that was great but What's interesting about that is you work in the studio and everyone's looking at each other like, is this the hit? Is this a hit? Is this the hit? <laughs> and no one knows. No. No one knows. You don't know. You don't know because it's, does this song connect with people? Are, mm-hmm. Does it match the time? Does it create a, a modern nostalgia that people are going to connect with? And back then it was about radio play and maybe like MTV and stuff like that. MTV yeah. was pretty big. It we, we talk about like yeah. in, influencing people. So having a, having a catchy song and like getting on TRL or something like that. Well, this was before the iPods and yep. digital music. It, it was, was. R- it was right before right Napster. Cost, right like, before Napster and LimeWire. Yep. Uh, LimeWire. Yep. Yeah. So people were still having to go out and buy CDs yeah. or record. Or in my case, recording tapes on the radio. On the radio. Yeah, discovering <laughs> yeah. music was a very different yeah. animal back then. Yeah. Uh, and I still, to this day, will listen to an album all the way through. I'll still make my playlists, but I judge a band by, is your album listenable all the way through? Of course, if a song is undeniable, it's going on the playlist. So what's an album in the last five years that came out that you like every song oh, all the way through? Boy, that's a great question, but I don't know uh, that's came out in the last five years. Well, ten. You, we'll say ten years. Well, you introduced me to Electric Guest, and yeah, I mean that the album Plural. I that's like a oh, super man. super upbeat album that I can listen to just about all day if if I needed to. That's a great one. <laughs> and if if that album was released in the '90s, I think that it would have yeah. had a much different um, appeal. I like I like Queens of the Stone Age. Uh, what's the one? The one before? I think it's called Like Cl- Like Clockwork. Oh, that's a great record. Yeah, absolutely. That one's great. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I want to say Foo Fighters, but I haven't liked a couple of the last Foo Fighters albums. So I don't know if the one that I... Oh, the um, Wasting Light was pretty good. I just can't... Like, off the top of my head, those would be a couple. But there's there's several. Mm-hmm. But very few that you can listen to all the way through. So that's a mm-hmm. good question. But... Uh, I'll give you I'll give you a mulligan if you've had albums prior to that. <laughs> you know, maybe the next one will hit. Like like uh the latest um Queens of the Stone Age wasn't quite it for me, but there are a couple mm-hmm. couple decent ones. But I got big respect for those guys. Me too. Imagine if you could have been in the studio with them. Their last record was recorded at um United. It was? It was. Oh shit. Yeah. See? If you would have stayed there, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> So we didn't really talk about the band you were in, mm-hmm. but how do you, f- okay. So how do you feel about music as like a way of expressing yourself creatively? How do you feel about it where you had it as a potential career to now it's something where, okay, two questions. Do you feel like that time that you spent from high school up until your early, early, uh, you were probably like 20, 21, 22 when you quit, I feel like that time gave you a better appreciation for music when you're listening now, or does it make you more critical uh, of what you hear? Right. It does it. It's both. It's both. Yeah. So the, the stuff I really love, I love more and then I'm much more critical and I like to listen and discover all kinds of new music. And even if I think something is decent, I mean, never listen to it again because I am critical of it, Mm. but I just, I just like hearing and supporting musicians and what they're doing okay this is going to be more than two questions but uh (laughs) what is your what is like your favorite way of discovering music now obviously it's 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 in a in streaming form because that's what everybody does but like how how do you discover music nowadays oh man this is going to sound so bad when i'm watching tv like a netflix or amazon prime show and a, a song comes on i shazam the song that's playing on the show I'm watching. That's funny. Is how did you find Leon Bridges then? Because you introduced me to him. How I don't even remember how I that, found Leon that Bridges. is a guy that I can listen to his whole album too. Oh man, Leon Bridges is a genius. Yeah, yeah. P- people have to check him out. Definitely. How would you? How would you? Uh, how would you describe his music? Versatile. Versatile. Yeah. But it, it's kind of like soul music, right? Or not really? I don't know. He he can do any genre. His first oh. record is is very nostalgic with, you know, kind of the, the, the like fifties and sixties Motown soul, um, rhythm and blues. And then his second album is much more, uh, modern and, and pop and, Mm. and dance. And it's so good. Mm. That guy's a pro. Yeah. Cool. And word of mouth. Okay. I, that's the best way. Yeah. We we talk about music and I I learn about artists from you I have other friends that, mm-hmm. that know what I like and even local music. I like going to local shows where no one knows who the artist is or one of my one of my favorite touring musicians, Harmar Superstar. People may people may not know who he is, but he's his live show is such a delight to go and see. He's such an entertainer. And he was on tour a couple of years in a row with an artist called Lizzo and now Lizzo is huge she blew up and and she struck a cultural nerve and is has gotten that um you know that that attention that she deserves and and so that's an artist that I discovered by going to a live show 
And so you got to get out yeah. and see live music. Yeah. Well, we went to see uh, Maps and Atlases, who I really like now. Yes. And then the opener was that guy that he was, he played the one man band. And when we discovered him, Prism Tats. Prism Tats. That guy is so cool. <laughs> that guy is so cool. Yeah. I mean, he has a band, but that night he was just playing as a one man band. And he was awesome. Yeah, he was so good. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I... I bought his CD and he signed it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so when... I, I think that, that that's a great way to kind of wrap is, is that what is the music that people are going to connect with? Mm. And what does the music mean to them? And how how is nostalgia built through music? And so people connect with music with uh, creating memories now. Yeah. And then they're able to connect with past memories by listening to that music again so true and i think we can all relate to that absolutely man um well okay will you promise to come back again and tell some more stories when we have more time yeah not not like later this week we don't know if we're gonna have time to record more i hope we do if we do we do if not that's okay we'll do it again in the future maybe of course okay man yeah let's go get another beer let's get a beer okay thanks man If you made it through the episode, thanks for listening. I hope to be back soon. I don't have any sort of teasers for any new episodes, but I have talked to some friends. I do have some prior meetings that I need to follow up on and hopefully get some more episodes recorded in the future. Thank you so much. Again, all links you can find on our website, pod.co slash emotive. I'll see you next time.